In order to bring you this episode, I had to be ready to bear some ugly truths about myself. I think I'm okay with that. Welcome to season two of the Essential Stepmom Podcast. I'm Tracy, and I'll be your guide for this unconventional look at what I call the womanly art of raising someone else's kids. Why do I favor an unconventional approach to being a stepmom? It's probably because I'm something of an outlier in everything I do, but mostly it's because there's a scary statistic looming over every one of our homes, like the mythical Sword of Damocles, showing that nearly three quarters of step families don't last more than five years. What that tells me is that the conventional wisdom, the general consensus, the status quo, are all things that are leading stepmoms in obedient herds straight for the gutter. If you want to buck the trend and stay in the game, you need to think differently. In this podcast, we look outside the box for better answers, for counterintuitive strategies to help us fight the instincts that don't serve us well, and to grow a new parenting reflex that really supports us and everyone else on this crazy journey with us. Welcome to the new normal. I'm probably not alone in this, but I would never in a million years have ever labeled myself a control freak. Maybe my kindergarten teacher tried to give my parents an inkling of that when she wrote that Tracy sometimes needs to be reminded there are other children in the class. But nevertheless, I try to think of myself as more of an enlightened leader than a dictator. People who know me usually say I'm pretty laid back and easygoing. I'm not confrontational. I really back away from any kind of conflict as a rule. And I'm definitely not a neat freak, quite the opposite as my husband will attest. But what I realize now having let go of something I wasn't even conscious of, that I was a closet control junkie, particularly when it comes to how my husband was parenting his kids. We almost came to blows about it, actually, and at the time, I thought he was 100% wrong. I've had so many good ideas over the years about handling things like being alienated or managing his long-distance visits with his kids, that when they finally came to live here, I was just used to the idea that I had all the good ideas. My way wasn't necessarily the highway, but it was the best way. And it wasn't at all easy for me to let go of that mindset, but it was also causing a lot of friction. At first I thought I was letting go of it to keep the peace in our marriage, but once I had let go, I realized that it had been me who was causing the problem. It's interesting. I'm just reading Michelle Obama's wonderful memoir, Becoming. She describes something similar, dragging her husband to marriage counseling, convinced that the counselor would validate all her complaints about him. In the end, she realized that he didn't have to clean up his messy study. He likes it the way it is, and she could close the door and walk on by. Does that sound familiar, by the way? It's what I tell my stepmom clients to do when they complain about messy bedrooms. But I couldn't see the metaphorical messy bedroom in my own family for a long time. I'm going to tell you more about that after you hear from my guest, Ana de Acosta. 
I originally became aware of Anna when I discovered her CD of guided meditations for stepmoms. I thought it was a pretty cool thing because, as you already know, meditation has been a big part of my own personal growth journey, starting back before the end of my first marriage. I reached out to connect with Anna and we had a chat over Skype, me from here in Kitchener, Ontario, and her where she was living in Peru. I had expected to be meeting someone who was a native of Peru, but we were only 30 seconds into our conversation when it came out that she was from Canada too. So that was pretty neat. But hey, some of you may not know that this country stretches across five time zones and has 33 million people in it. So imagine our mutual surprise to learn that her family lives less than an hour's drive from my house and she was about to arrive for a visit. So in just a few weeks, there we were swapping stepmom stories over a delightful sushi lunch in a blissfully air-conditioned restaurant on a steamy hot summer day. And now we're all freezing our buns off in the same Ontario winter because, incredibly, she's moved herself, her husband, and their combined four Spanish-speaking kids permanently to Canada. Oh, and by the way, she did all that while expecting their third child, who is now her first Canadian-born baby. I think she deserves a medal or something for that. Just before I cut to my interview with Anna, I want to shout out to the stepmoms listening in from Guelph, Kitchener, Harriston, Barrie, Brantford, Stratford, Waterloo, Richmond Hill, Woodstock, Brampton, Hamilton, Georgetown, Newmarket, Mississauga, London, and even Toronto. I know you're there because my podcasting software identify cities where folks are tuning in. So let me hear from you, my homies. It's nice to think that people nearby are listening, as well as the ones way on the other side of the world. Here's our newly returned homie, Ana de Acosta. Welcome, Anna. Thank you so much for agreeing to be on the podcast. Thanks for having me. It's great to, to meet up with you again, Tracy. So I think that your story, your backstory, as it were, is incredibly interesting. And I'm sure that listeners would be interested to hear how you got to where you are now. So tell us a little bit about yourself and your family. Yeah, so my step family story started about seven years ago now. Um, I went on a solo sort of backpacking trip to South America and I met my husband. <laughs> um, <laughs> So I was in Cusco hiking the Machu Picchu Trail, and he was there for work. He's an engineer, and he was there for a work project. And it was a total chance encounter, like a one-day encounter that we crossed paths and just felt this really strong connection. And I was leaving the next day, and I ended up seeing him, I don't know how many times on that trip. Um, And after I went back home a month later, um, we kept contact and yeah, a few, six months later, I was living in Peru. <laughs> wow. That, yeah. that, that's a big leap. I, <laughs> it's a great story. I can't believe you did that. And <laughs> so at the time he, you know, already had two kids from a previous relationship. Yes. Um, so you were stepping right into that. Never mind moving from Canada to Peru. Yeah, well, at first, I didn't know he had kids. Um, when I first Ooh. met him, he didn't tell me. Like, I mean, it's not something that you usually tell right off the bat, right? So he waited yeah. a little while, and 
And when he told me, I was sort of devastated because I had already been in a relationship previously with a man who had kids and it didn't turn out well. Uh, <laughs> so I don't I, think I knew that. Maybe not. Um, so that was on my write-off list. That was on my, like, I'm never dating a man with kids again list. And so when <laughs> I found out he had kids, I was already in too deep. Um, <laughs> so it was really a matter of coming to the situation and leaving all that past baggage behind and leaving those old fears behind that the same thing would happen again. Um, my previous relationship was with a totally different personality. It was someone who wasn't a great father, who I was constantly trying to fix and help. And I think I was really controlling in that relationship. So I learned really to let go and, and just let him be and not try yeah. to his parenting style, his access with his kids, none of that. And, and thankfully, um, my husband is an amazing father. So that, that's actually one of the things that made me fall even more in love with him. When I saw how good of a father he was, I knew that he would be such a good father to our children one day. Um, but letting go of control and letting go of the ideals that I had set for myself was a big personal challenge for me at the beginning of our relationship. Neat. And now you have three kids of your own, uh, three hours kids. Yeah. Well, two. As well, yeah. As well as full custody of his. And yeah. So we have five altogether. So my two stepkids um, who are 12 and 10 years old. And then I have my five-year-old, my three-year-old, and I have a six-week-old at home. <laughs> Unbelievable. Yeah. Well, so it's, it's Big family. I never thought I would have such a big family, um, but sometimes those things that you don't plan for can turn out to be the best things in your life, which is definitely wow. been the case. Yeah. And we're living in Canada now. <laughs> That's another incredible part of the story that you've all moved to Canada um, yeah. and that the uh, your husband's ex, the biological mom of his kids, was agreeable to allow that to happen. Like, that's quite yeah. amazing like I mean it would have never happened right away we had a rough start um in our relationship you know I'm, I'm not going to get into details because I don't like to discuss these things publicly but mm -hmm. it wasn't all flowers and you know pretty things at the beginning especially with the relationship with Biolom so we had to navigate that and and we did and after I mean we just moved here a few months ago so it, after six years of living in Peru, we all moved here as a family. So it was a long time. Wow. Um, it, wasn't, it wasn't the original plan. Uh, we had planned to originally stay in Peru, but some things happened and the situation came up that we could move and it just made sense for us and we did. And we're very happy here. Yeah. Fantastic. The, the kids are dealing with snow and it's really cold That's, here right now. We <laughs> love it. They love it. I don't know if they'll love it in a few years, but it's their first time, even my kids, it's their first time um, seeing snow. So it's been fun to watch their reactions to it all. Fantastic. <laughs> oh, that's so great. So um, when we first met each other, it was mm -hmm. around the, the work that you were doing with meditation for stepmoms. <laughs> Um, I have my own, you know, personal history with meditation, but you have something specific to talk about around uh, 
well, you just mentioned it around, you know, uh, your personal need for control and, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, how that makes you feel and what you've, what the journey that you've come on to be able to uh, let go of control and feel good about it by being able to maintain boundaries, even while you're, you're relaxing your need for control. So just tell us more about that, because I think that's an, a wonderful skill. Mm-hmm. And it's something I practice. I mean, it's not something that I've 100% mastered. Um, and I think as a stepmom, I think if you are in the stepmom role, then you have some part of you that probably is helpful or nurturing in your personality, right? You want to help others. You want to, you want to do what's best for others. And sometimes that can come at the cost of your own mental health, right? So you might be in a place where you think you know what's best for everyone, where you offer solutions and try to help when you're not asked for help when you're not asked to help yeah. and I think that is such a blessing in your family if you're if you're that nurturing caretaking type but it can also be detrimental to you if you overgive and and get to a place where you're feeling resentful about the help that you're giving yeah and I think the, that helpful personality can also turn into a really controlling personality because you think you know what's best. You want everyone to do what you say because what you know is best. And I have so been there. I know exactly mm-hmm. what you're talking about, really. And if anything, I would say that really the only strife in our family has been caused by that, caused by me believing so strongly that my way is the right way. Well, of course it is because it's my mm-hmm. way like like I'm the one who knows the the best way forward in this situation or I'm the one who knows the best solution to this problem or the best way to approach this issue or whatever it might be and uh I also had a, a kind of epiphany at some point uh that allowed me to let go of something that I was hanging on to really really tightly Mm-hmm. And I'm a, I'm a much happier person for it. I think our family functions better because of it. Um, so was yeah. there a thing? Was there something that happened that, that sort of turned the light bulb on for you? Or was it a slow process of working towards a change? For me, it was a, it was a very slow process. Um, I come from a family where codependency, addiction, and alcoholism were the norm. So I grew up with that caretaking personality and that Mm. belief that taking care of others is sort of a bad thing, um, that I will be trampled on, that, you know, that I should be more of, you know, a hard person and stand up for myself more and not help others. And I was really sort of shamed in my life. And I felt a lot of shame for being that caretaking person. Um, Mm. But I felt like I couldn't help it at the same time so it almost became an addiction of its own that I wanted to help other people so much and I think that's how I got into my first relationship and you know with the with the first relationship that I had with the other guy who had kids I was really trying to control things in that relationship and it satisfied that need in me to feel important Mm -hmm. right and to feel like I have all the answers and like they should listen to me and look they're listening to me and things are going better but then 
not really being appreciated or loved for who I really was, just being appreciated for the help and sacrifice that I was giving. Uh, yeah. So coming from that place, I learned that that is not the way to be. Um, but I also slowly, and I think it's just sort of kicking in lately that I'm starting to embrace my caretaking side and seeing it as more of a gift and and not something to be ashamed of and not something that I need to dim down, rather something that I need to nurture and express to its healthy side, because there's a healthy side to being a caretaker and there's an unhealthy side, right? And the unhealthy oh, yeah. side, self-sacrificing, becoming resentful for it, um, feeling like it's your way or the highway, and you're really putting yourself in that role of God where you think you know what's best for everyone else, and nobody knows what's best for them. And they need to do what you tell them or else, right? And that's the unhealthy expression of that sort of way of being. But then there's a healthy expression where you can set boundaries for yourself, where you can honor yourself and your limits and only give where your help is received and where your help is wanted and where your help is making a positive difference in sort of a synergistic way not that you're doing everything for everyone else but you're helping them rise up and yeah yeah and that's what what my coaching is really all about i help women release control while maintaining healthy boundaries so that they can achieve the peace and flow that they want in their families and in their life really um, i find that when you try to control all of those things that are really not your responsibility to control like you know your husband's parenting style or the stepkids behaviors or their thoughts and beliefs that they picked up or their even their traumas that they picked up that have nothing to do with you when you try to control those things and it's causing more harm than good that's when you you know you have a problem that and that you're part of that problem that you need to start letting go a little bit in order to create that equilibrium in your family, respect other people in your family where they're at and meet them where they're at rather than expecting them to follow your standards and your way of being. Your your way might not be the right way. And, and if you can let it go a little bit and start to open yourself up to that possibility that you might not have the exact right answer for someone else, then I find you leave space for other people in your family to step in and take ownership of their own problems and, and start fixing things for themselves, right? Or not. I mean, sometimes they have to fall in order to get back up. But And that's hard. Falling, yeah, and it's hard to watch someone you love going down a path that you know is not going to end well. Yeah. But when when you are powerless over it, when you know that you've been trying to help them and it's not being received and you're not doing any good by enforcing your opinions and your, you know, your way of being on them, the only thing you have left to do is let go. And it's so hard to, to let go when the other person is self-destructive or you see them doing something that's harmful to them. But sometimes you need to let go in order for them to grow, in order for them to learn. Otherwise, I, they'll just stay stuck where they are. I believe that 100%. And it's a, it's a real leap of faith, eh? Like, it, um, you know, when you're talking about letting go and allowing someone to fail or to fall or to have something fall apart, um, you know, when you feel like you 
you could have prevented that in some way if only everybody would listen to you. Uh, yeah. It's hard to it, it's hard to take that leap of faith and say there is another route to the outcome that I want than the one that I have in my head. And the route that these people need to take is one that includes this this falling apart or this mistake. <laughs> they need to pass through that mistake to get to the end that I want. Also. I think that's yeah. the that's the part that is, you know, I I love everything that you're saying. I I think it's a, a really really useful skill, and I think every one of us, uh, probably everybody who's listening to this podcast, is somebody who is trying in some way to do a better job in their role as a stepmom. Otherwise, they wouldn't bother to listen at all. And, you know, we can't know that we've overstepped until we've gone over the line. It's a necessary. It's a necessary part of this dance. You you don't ever know what the edge is until, you know, how much giving is too much. You only know it when you've overgiven or when you you know it when you're feeling resentful because you're not getting you're not getting back what you're hoping for in terms of result or recognition or appreciation or whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. You don't know you've done it. You don't know you're doing it until you're there already. And yeah. The the part that's the hardest, I think, about this whole process is coming to the moment where you can identify yourself in some way as part of the problem dynamic. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a fine line. It's, it's a ahead. fine line between being helpful and overstepping, like you said. And it's it's hard to walk that line sometimes. And every and single like, day. Yeah, it's like if you can imagine like a, a tightrope, right? And you're trying to walk across it and you teeter one way to being too helpful and then you teeter the other way to overstepping, right? And yeah. you figure it out and you gain your equilibrium as you go, but as you sort of cross over to the wrong side, right? Yeah. And and I think a big part of it is letting go of the outcome. Like your outcome that you're trying to get they might get there in a different way or they might not get to your outcome. There might be some kind of another outcome that you couldn't have imagined that's better than what you could have planned or hoped for. Right. Yeah. And so I find a lot of that like teeter tottering on that fine line of being helpful and overstepping is, is when you're expecting something in return and you're expecting a certain outcome. So you're being helpful but you're expecting something in return or you're expecting a certain outcome to come from your helpfulness. Yeah. So we'll help this person, but they need to recognize you and tell you that you're great and give you this recognition. And I think that's where the mindfulness stuff comes in and the meditation is that if you can be present in your life enough to catch yourself yeah. when you're having those thoughts, when you're expecting something in return, or when even when you are feeling resentful, right? A lot of times we don't realize that until we explode. Yeah. So being more subtle, slowing down and observing what is going on in our own minds and thoughts via meditation yeah. is a great way to become more present with ourselves and realize what's going on before it becomes too big of an issue right before it becomes an explosion before it becomes resent before it becomes anger oh I'm I'm with you 100% I know that my my own experience of um, uh, using meditation 
um, maybe not using it, but the benefit of meditation for me in terms of, like you said, being able to hear my own thoughts, like I would have thought that was a stupid thing to say before I, like, what do you mean? I hear myself talking in my head all the time. So mm -hmm. like, I don't know what I'm supposed to get from this. I, of course I can hear my own thoughts, but the truth is that when I, when I engaged in meditation in my own particular past, uh, I became aware of some thoughts that I never knew that I was having with regard to, you know, this guy who I was sharing my house with, who had been a completely platonic um, friend and someone who I would have said I was not the slightest bit interested in having a romantic relationship with. But I started to hear myself uh, saying things to myself about, um, like, what happens if now I, like, if I start dating someone else, this is going to really impinge on my relationship with my, you know, my roommate, my friend. And, you know, how's it going to be afterwards? And I don't want it to be uh, awkward like that. And I, I was trying to imagine myself with some other random future guy. And listening to what I was saying to myself was what made me realize that I actually wanted to be with him. Mm -hmm. And that was a total, total shock and surprise to me. And that's what came to me from meditation. It was that kind of awareness of something that I was telling myself that I wasn't at all listening to for whatever reason, you know, I just wasn't entertaining the reality of, of what I was thinking. So I get what you mean about the importance of some kind of meditation practice wherever you are and you don't have to start with a big 10-day silent retreat like I did that was you know kind of a, a wacky way to start out but um, but you can start out in lots of little ways do you want to tell anybody well you should tell them about your album for sure because I think that's a fantastic resource yes and before I even go there I think we don't allow ourselves to think our feelings or think our thoughts sometimes because the feelings behind them are too strong and we can't mm -hmm. handle it. Like we might have this big fear of like, Oh my God, if I, if I like this guy and it doesn't work out, then I'm just going to ruin the whole relationship. And, and you don't allow totally. yourself to fully feel those things or even think them. You push those things away and you don't realize that they're there. Yeah. And so meditation gives you a space to let those, things be free and let them out and I'm a true believer that you need to feel it to heal it and the more you suppress things the stronger they become within you and so you're not really it. you're just making it worse for yourself and when you allow yourself to feel whatever it is you're feeling whether it's a strong positive feeling or something negative like fear like you know anger those can all be expressed in healthy ways so that you can grow and get over it and, and continue living your life in a happy and positive way rather than internalizing all those bad feelings. And my meditation album, it's um, called The Mindful Stepmom. And they're short guided audios to help you deal with common uh, situations that cause stress and anxiety for stepmoms. So there's one about making peace with the bio mom. There's another one uh, before you see your stepkids. And it just gets you in the frame of mind where you can allow yourself to be present with whatever it is you're feeling, whether that's 
something negative or positive, whatever it is, if it's anxiety, if it's, oh, I hate my stepkids, whatever it is, you have to let it out in order to, to work through it. And if you don't let it out, it's going to get worse. Um, so the meditations are designed to help you feel your feelings, first of all, whatever those feelings may be, explore any limiting beliefs that you might have about yourself or about life that are triggered by those situations. So things like, I don't matter, I'm not important, I'm not loved, mm. and allow you to really feel those limiting beliefs so that you can overcome them and, and get to the other side, which is the more empowered, uplifting side, where you believe that you are important, that you do matter, that you are loved, and you tune into those positive feelings instead. But it's always about feeling the negative first. I think positive affirmations are great, but if you don't, if you just get a positive affirmation without actually allowing those negative feelings to pass through you, it's not going to work. I agree a hundred percent. And I, I can just tell you a, a little aside here because you, one of the things that you mentioned in terms of the negative feelings that some people don't want to uh, acknowledge in themselves is not feeling the loving feelings for your partner's kids that you wish that you could, ha that you could have or actually really not liking those little kids at all, which can happen because, you know, it's, it's a random thing. Like I, I sometimes say you would not expect to just walk past a playground somewhere and pick out any two random children and bring them home with you and for you to all hit it off and love them. Like there, there is a random aspect to this, that your, your partner's children are also a reflection not only of him, as some people say, well, they're part of your partner and you should love them, but they are also half the ex, you know, the ex-wife mm -hmm. or the, you know, their mother, they're half her too. And they may be embodying uh, many qualities or the, be the result of, of ways that they're being raised that are at the root of why that relationship didn't stay together. So it could be easy to be in a tremendously conflicted emotional state about your connection to those kids. And when I had a video that was up on YouTube, I used to have a YouTube channel that isn't there anymore. Mm -hmm. But I had, I had one video there among the 75 other videos. And the title of it was I don't love my stepkids. And that video got uh, like 100 times more views easily than anything else mm -hmm. that I had there. It had been Googled 5000 times by the time I close the channel. And what that meant to me was that women are secretly Googling, I don't love my stepkids. And the comments that I got from that video were so, um, you know, people were saying, oh, thank God. Like, I feel so much better just hearing you say that I don't have to, that I'm not a bad person if I don't love them, that it's enough that I treat them nicely, that I'm not, you know, I'm not a horrible stepmom for what I feel inside my heart. And I think for all the people who Google it, there are probably 10 times as many who don't even allow themselves to go there. Um, I think it's a, a, a real point of shame for women who are in this kind of relationship who, um, you know, they don't allow themselves, as you said, to feel the feelings and to reach out and get help uh, so that they can feel better and so that their relationships can grow in a natural organic way and to let go of the the 
kind of fantasy fairy tale way that you feel pressure in some way to make them go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there's a lot of confusion I find about what is the stepmom role? And there's this idealized role that you're supposed to be involved, that you're supposed to be loving them unconditionally and putting them first and they automatically become your kids. And it's, that's not the case. Um, in no, very many I, cases, is that the case? I actually don't know any cases where that was the case right off the bat. The relationship evolves and grows. And I think if you're willing to say those things out loud. I mean, you don't need, you don't need to say them to your kids, obviously. You don't yeah. need to say them to your partner because that just triggers a whole lot of things in him that he doesn't understand in you. I think having a safe place where you can express that and work through it and is, is critical. And I think yeah. that working through it really involves watching your own reaction and where is this coming from? Where is this resistance or annoyance with your stepchild coming from? Because in most cases, I find that it's triggering something inside of you that's reminding you of something else that has absolutely nothing to do with the situation. And that's if you can, like everything, yeah, if you can take the time out to explore that and really find the root cause of it, then you can let go of that reaction towards your stepchild instead of thinking it's all about them when really it's probably about something else and that's totally okay but pushing it down and not allowing yourself to feel it or say it in a safe space makes it worse and makes you more resentful and makes you feel worse about yourself that you even have these feelings but they're normal I mean I I really don't know anyone that loves their stepkids off the bat and if you say you do I'm going to be skeptical I'm not going to believe you (laughs) Well, you know, I think it can happen. And look, you you had an experience of falling in love with a total stranger on the other side of the world mm-hmm. in one from one meeting and ending up going to, you know, leaving your job and your house and your family and moving to Peru to start a relationship that incredibly against, I would say, all odds has turned out great, right? Yeah. And my, uh, so but that's like a, that's a kind of needle in a haystack kind of situation. And so is mine. Like I fell in love with a guy who was my, you know, who was a tenant in my house and we had been living together in, you know, with like no interest in each other for, for years already. So these things happen in completely unique ways. And yes, it can happen that somebody meets their, their partner's kids and they bond instantly like that they've loved each other all their lives and that is not the experience of 99% of us it can happen but it's not it's not a prerequisite it's not how it's supposed to be it's not even ideal because problems are coming down the road that you haven't experienced yet people who have those wonderful bonding experiences off the top are going to have different types of problems mm-hmm. later on because there's life and you know life is life things are are coming down the pipe that we have no idea about yes it's true and I mean in my experience I fell in love with my husband really quickly um, but the step child relationship was a slow growing love and and I'm at a point now where I can say that I love them like my own kids I mean, I don't even know if that's 100% true. It's a different kind of love. 
but it's yeah. equally valid and equally important. And and I mean, love is love, right? Well, as I as I say to people online sometimes who who you know when we when this discussion comes up, I say, do you love your husband the same way that you love your brother? Like, of course not. But it doesn't mean that you love one more than the other, or that they're they're not supposed to be the same. Like, there's nothing about about you know, uh, you know, you don't love your dad the same way that you love your husband or whatever. Like, it's mm-hmm. kind of a ridiculous argument. We have all kinds of loving relationships in our lives, and there's nothing about this that is meant to be identical in some way, or that the intensity should match, or that the, you know, it's. I, I think that's. I just think it's ridiculous. I don't know why people need to say those kind of things, but they obviously do because it's you, you can hardly escape it if you're in the online stepmom space. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, Anna, tell people how they can get in touch with you and get your album for sure because they that would be an awesome resource. Yeah, um, my album's on iTunes, Amazon, um, and... I don't even know where else it is. It's on all those major music channels. Um, also on my website. And and it's called again? The Mindful Stepmom by Anna. Okay. Daniels. Okay. Mindful Stepmom. And yeah, and my website, com, where I blog occasionally. <laughs> and my email list, if you sign up for my email list, I send weekly emails. Um, and also have a resource vault with free resources for stepmoms. And I'm pretty active on Instagram if you want to peep in and, and see my life a little bit. Um, I share <laughs> things with family on there. And that's like your new baby. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> he's an angel. Oh my gosh. Number three is so easy. That's right. So far. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for being with us here. I I love talking to you as always, and um, you're a font of great advice. So thanks for all you do, and I hope we're going to get to chat again soon. Thank you. I'd love to be on again. Let me know. Okay. That was great. I'm really grateful to Anna for taking the time away from her busy life and brand new baby to share that with us. I told you earlier that I'd let you know more about the metaphorical messy bedroom in my family and how I learned to walk past it. I had real messy bedrooms too, of course. Both my stepson and his sister are most comfortable when there's a thin layer of socks, t-shirts, and pajamas strewn on the floor around their beds at all times. But it's never bothered me that much. My husband does all their laundry. He does mine too, so I don't complain. The messy bedroom I'm talking about is a totally different thing. I've always been an advocate for my stepkids, jumping in to make sure their dad understands the point they're trying to make, or getting dad to give them the right advice, according to me, of course. When I thought he was being too hard on them about something, I would take their side. You can imagine how well that went over. At one point, I was asked to refrain from saying things like, that's great, or good job. It sounds ridiculous, but keeping my mouth shut and letting go of controlling what I thought should happen had a strange effect. I became aware of how much they wanted 
his actual advice, not my advice coming out of his mouth. They want to please their dad, of course, like all kids, and to argue with him, and to sometimes feel like they're disappointing him, or like he just doesn't get them, and then being pissed off about that, and then trying harder, and then him finally noticing and realizing something new and telling them how proud he is of them. That's the dance, and it's their dance. I did my own dance with my own parents and with my own daughter. This dance is theirs. They have to work out all their own shit with each other. It's not my job to sweep it away before they get to work it out. I realize now that that doesn't serve them in any way, whatever I think about their shit. And when I was able to release myself from feeling responsible for how things turn out for his kids, I was also able to let go of trying to control things that are actually none of my business, no matter how much I care about them. I had to trust that the universe is taking care of this, and it does, every time. I once said, your job as a stepmom is to hold the umbrella, not to stop the rain. This is what it meant for me to let go. I didn't let go of the umbrella. I just stopped trying to change the weather, and I am so much happier for it. I might say that I wish I'd learned that a long time ago, but I think I probably learned it at just the right time. That's it for this episode. Thanks for listening. If you're enjoying this podcast, please take a moment to rate or review us on iTunes. That's the very best way you can help other high-performing, alternative-thinking stepmoms to stumble onto this show and discover a community of like-minded listeners around the world. According to Anchor.fm, the platform I'm recording on, we're being heard now in 29 countries. I find that really exciting. If you're a social media kind of person, you're welcome to join my Facebook community by sending a join request to The Spectacular Stepmom. If you'd rather just get a more intimate weekly email from me, send me a message with the subject line weekly email to info at essentialstepmom.com. Finally, I'd love to hear from you with questions or comments or situations you'd like me to address on this podcast. You can leave a voice message right here or send anything to my personal and confidential email address, info at essentialstepmom.com. That's info at essentialstepmom.com. See you next week.